0: We are uh, continuing a series, we've been walking with, uh, I always like to call it walking with Jesus because uh, the the book of Matthew is one where I just for some reason whenever I think about that that gospel I always think of Jesus walking and uh, we're just, we've started from the beginning and we're just kind of working our way through and today we are at uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11. This is where... um, it's kind of like Jesus just got baptized by John the Baptist, and he is about ready to kind of start his official uh, ministry, his official moment. But before that, he goes into, they say, the, the, the wilderness, and he fasts uh, for 40 days. Uh, that's a long time. Uh, I, I, has anyone here fasted before? I'm sure some people have. I know I have, and uh, it's, it's something that is... Uh, uh, something that I like to practice as a, as a way of worship, but I've, I've never lasted the 40 days, 40 nights type thing either. So uh, I just want to quickly read kind of what the gospel says here, and then we're going to kind of talk about it a little bit. Uh, it says in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This, this is something I want to kind of um, break down a little bit, but this is kind of you know before Jesus starts this ministry. Remember, Jesus is uh, in human form, and so he has. It says that the uh, the, the devil did tempt him. He he, he gives him the, the things that uh, we on earth here might find temptation about, uh, and we want to break this down just a little bit and have us think about this. You know, when we were starting this church, it was all about when we talked about the church. It was all about Uh, what the church would look like, what it'll be like, the things that uh, we can expect from this church, all of that kind of stuff. Um, When we started it, we wanted to make it sure that what we started was something deep and simple. And so you'll notice when you first walk in here, it doesn't really look like a church. And I've had people Um, Send me things that have referred to the church in quotations, your church, because it's not really a real church, because it doesn't have the things that you would expect in a church. We actually met this week, uh, uh, some people, some builders and uh, thinkers about how we can kind of uh, even um, update the, the, the cosmetics of the church. And one of the things that we talked about is to make sure that it was deep and simple, to make sure that it kept with our message. We, we, there's this thing called, like, high church where you walk in, you know, and it's, like, grand and the ceilings are, you know, 4,000 feet tall and there's, you know, imagery and all of this kind of stuff. It's just not really our, our thing. Uh, I remember when Alice and I were first setting things up in this church, uh, some folks came by and they opened that door and uh, they said, What is this? <laughs> And we said, it's it's a church. And he goes, looks more like a bar. And I said, well, that's okay too. You know, come in and have a drink, you know, bring your own. But it's, there's imagery that we have of what uh, things should be in our lives. And then there's just imagery of what it is. The first churches actually looked a little bit closer to what this is now than what the churches have become. Uh, there's nothing grand about them in the, in the first century. There weren't, there weren't big coliseums. There weren't big stadiums. There weren't big, uh, you, know, uh, uh, orf, you know, just, uh, what do they call them, just the big theaters. Uh, churches have gotten grand. They've gotten huge. They've gotten big. Uh, it's up to us to make sure that we just keep it deep and simple. That's what we want. The biggest thing that we want is for people to be comfortable here, to people that know that they are welcomed here that everybody knows that they are loved by God. Every single one of us is loved by God. That's a message that we sometimes, we just forget to, to mention. And so I, 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 we wanna make sure that we're mentioning that every day, that you're loved by God, uh, every one of you. And so when Jesus is walking through, the devil tempts Jesus with various things that have led some churchgoers astray. And I'm talking about some churchgoers. We we talk about sin as something that the other people do. But I'm talking about sin as something that we all do. And that's important for us to realize. We're all loved by God and we all do things to screw up that love. We all do things to, to try to challenge that love. But God still loves us no matter what. No matter what. And so I want to just break down this, uh, this story of Jesus in the desert because it gives a symbol of what uh, Satan, what the accuser, whatever you want to call, it, it, it gives an, uh, uh, an idea of the things that can trip us up the most. Some of the things that can trip us up, and I think that we'll even find some of the things tripping some of us up now. Okay, we often look at the, the, the popular sins as this and this and this. But there are things that can reach us that can hurt us, that can separate us from God more than just this and this and this. You know, our top five of, of the sins. You, know, you ever notice that with Christians, the top five of the sins are the things that I'm not currently doing, you know, but they are? That's, that's our top five. We love to talk about them and that and those people, but I'm safe. But this reaches a, just a little bit deeper than this. Let's just, take, let's just walk back a little bit and look at some of this. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus is uh, feeling starved. He's famished. He's, he's hungry. But the, the, the verbiage that Satan uses is command these stones to become bread. In other words, you're entitled to this. You deserve this. You as a son of God, as Christian, you get to command things in this world. And that's misled us too we often think of the word entitlement. Oftentimes when, when Christians gather, we think that we are a little bit better than the other people. We, we build the big auditoriums. We build, That was the word I was looking for earlier, auditorium. We build those, we build, we build the big coliseums, not to look grand, but to fit our egos in it. Because it's our egos get so big, we think that we are Christian, and as soon as we become Christian, we think we can take this stand, and now we can point. It gives us the power to point at other people, and it gives us the power to say that you're doing this, and you're doing this. And then we start to say, But it's my right. I get to do this because I am loved by God. I am entitled. He's not talking about just Jesus being hungry. He's talking about Jesus being this guy and being able to say, I deserve that, I need that, I am a Christian, I am loved by God, I am God's son, so that is mine. And we do that sometimes too. I'm afraid every one of us does that sometimes too, if we're really honest with ourselves. Again, I've said this uh, before, so many times Christians will say, I will die for a a, a stranger, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. And that's the thing we argue the most, are the things that make us uncomfortable. And the things that make us sometimes uncomfortable are the things that uh, we feel that uh, step away from what we feel we're entitled to. We're entitled to the good things in life. We're entitled to the the the, the Western culture of uh, I get, uh, me first, instead of uh, following Christ. Who Christ answered this by said, "No one uh, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouths of God." What are those words that comes from the mouths of God? From the time in the Old Testament to the New Testament the words that come from the mouths of God is about charity. It's about welcoming the stranger. It's about loving people beyond yourself. It's about not just thinking about the things that you're entitled to. It's about thinking of the things that you can give to others. It's not about just thinking about you, but about community. The devil was trying to tempt Jesus by saying, this is your need right now. But Jesus' answer said, no, this is everyone's need right now. And it doesn't have to do with me having a sandwich. It has to do with a lot more than that. It has to do with a lot more than that. So as Christians, we need to look beyond the, just the, 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 the needs of our comfort and think about the Word of God. If we truly are Christian, again, if we truly follow Christianity as a movement, Christianity we know does not lead to entitlement. If anything, Christianity leads to inclusion and that means it's the more it's about more than us. And what are we doing? Would would Christ move that stone to become bread so he could just sit there and pause and eat? Or does he know that he has a mission to share bread? You know, the next time that he creates a miracle with bread, he's feeding 5000. It's not about him and he knows that. It's about his mission to bring a connection between God and us. It's about saving the world, not about just being comfortable. The next thing is to throw yourself down. He will command his angels concerning you. This is timely. We are living in a pandemic right now. We are living in a time of uh, science right now. And we have uh, many folks that are arguing that, saying, um, God will, will cure me. I don't need to do your uh, things here. I don't need your science. I don't need your stuff. I don't need your recommendations because God will cure me. And that's what's happening right here. You see, Jesus knows that if he stands on the tall temple, if, he, if he's up here on this tall thing here, okay, Jesus knows that he's the son of God. But he also knows that God created a world that has things like uh, gravity in it. Has the elements, physicality in it. Uh, That there are uh, things, uh, layers to this world that God has created. And if I were to just fall forward flat out, I'm going to hit my face on that floor. Probably that chair first. You'd catch me? I doubt that very much. Don't test God is what his answer is right there. Do not put your Lord God to the test. God is not a magic trick. God is not somebody that we can just show off and say, I don't need the things. Because God gave us the things. The things that are in the world, the miracle that we wait to happen for God to heal us, is right before us. It's in the science. We can be Christians and live with science. We don't have to say one or the other. We can look at the people that are helping us. And it's not just about the pandemic. It's about everything. We can't just sit there and treat God as if they're a genie in the bottle. And we often do that. Many times the only time we're praying is when we're asking for something. Instead of asking what we can do, what God can do for us. When is the last time we prayed and said, God, what can I do? What can I do for you? Because God's a wonderful, wonderful image. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful person. It's a wonderful whatever you want to call God. Because God put us into motion to be in a community, to live with one another. And he gives us all separate skills, different things that we can add to something. It's not a test. It's not me being able to stand out and saying, again, I'm entitled. I deserve. I get. Make this happen for me. God is saying, I put all of that into motion already. You, you want to listen to your, your, okay, let's take a look at uh, uh, people that are, that are starving in the world. Why does God let the, those things happen? God's not letting those things happen. There's more food in this world to feed everybody twice. God put us into motion to do something about it. It's not a matter of us just standing still waiting for God to take care of something for us. It's about God saying, I gave you the power to actually do something about this. It's not about why does God let bad, uh, allow bad things to happen. It's why do we allow bad things to happen. That's not the magic of God. The magic of God, the miracle of God, is that each one of us has a skill to actually change the world. Every single one of us has the skill. When we put our minds together, we actually have the ability to change things to do things for the better. But we got to think outside of, the, outside of the box. We've got to think outside as, we've got to think of God as a motivator, as a mover, but not as a person that just sits back and says, no, you just sit there, I'll take care of that. Because God took care of that way before we were born by giving us the ability as people to do things. I'm very grateful that we have the scientists that are out there fighting diseases, doing things for us. I'm grateful that we have teachers that teach us uh, knowledge and shares wisdom with us. I'm grateful that we have people with different skills that can um, give us uh, different things. Like, I mean, we were talking about uh, doing things in this building and stuff. People that can do things with their hands. People that can do things with their minds. We all come together, and when we do those things together, we make this world a better place. And you know what? I'm also grateful for the people that are skeptic. I'm grateful for the people that question. I'm grateful, like the song said that Will sang earlier about the the questioning child's face. I'm grateful for that because that makes us address certain things. If people did not ask questions, people would still be uh, suffering in, in this world without anybody doing anything about it. We are called to do things about it. We're not just to stand and test God by saying, God, I I wish you would do something about the racism, about the, the bigotry, about the hatred in this world. Because the answer that we're getting is God saying, I did do something about it. I gave you a heart and a soul. Listen to it, act on it, and do something about it. We're not standing on the, t- the, the, the pinnacle here, just waiting for someone to catch us. Christ is saying, get off the pinnacle and get to work. And then there's another one. The devil shows the kingdoms, all the land, and he tells Jesus, all of this, all of this will be yours if you just follow me and Jesus answers worship the lord your god and serve him only we we like to be territorial even as as, as christians uh, in our churches we love to go out and feed the hungry we love to clothe the naked we love to feed the poor we love to go out there but we really don't want them sharing the pews with us we really don't want them in here we'll just we'll send you money We'll, we'll, we'll send you money, but if, if you stink and you're dirty and you don't look like us, then we really don't want you in the door with us. Because this is our kingdom, and we have control over it. And sometimes we think of that about our church. Sometimes we think about that as our, our home, our neighbors. I don't want, I don't want them listen, living next to me. Uh, you know, I'll, sometimes we think about that even as our countries, we, we, we turn so prideful. And I'm not saying that it's, it's uh, against things to be prideful about where you live and about the country. I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, glad to be in the country that I live in. But I, I know that I worship God first. And that will always challenge things. It will challenge me to say, uh, does the rights that I was born into Do those rights belong to others? Do other people deserve those rights? Do other people... um, if, if If my plate is full and my house is comfortable, do other people deserve the same? Do the things that I have, are they really from me? Or are they from God? And if they are from God then are they for everyone do I get to pick and choose do I get to create my kingdom do I get to create my kingdom in the form of me where it has my values my thoughts my things and also my prejudices also my hatred and those are my rules in my kingdom but if I refuse that and say, worship God, and only serve God, then I'm back to the original bread to, from stone of the word of God. And that word of God <laughs> talks about a different kind of kingdom. Not one here, not, not, not these buildings, but a kingdom of heaven A kingdom of heaven, where Christ came in human form and sacrificed himself. His comfort, his royalty, his very self for people, all people. So, when I'm thinking about the things that uh, could tempt me? Am I fighting the things that can tempt me with the Word of God, with truly the Word of God? Notice I I didn't mention anything about uh, stealing or murder or uh, who someone loves, where they live. Uh, It's just about The things that make me comfortable. Those are the biggest temptations. The things that I fear. And the answer is love. It's not about the food we eat. It's not about testing God. It's not about our little kingdom that we like to call home. It's about something so much bigger than that the message given to us 2,000 years ago is it's worth fighting for. What tempts you today? What are the things that truly are keeping you from walking with God in your life? What are you doing to be comfortable, and what is Christ telling you to do to go beyond that? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, who we are, let us strive to be better. Let us strive to walk forward. Let us, let us fast in the things that we sometimes spoil ourselves with. Let, it, let us fast from, if it's, if it's uh, uh, hatred, if it's, if it's fear, if it's anger, if it's prejudiceness if it's the, the constant thread of hateful things we see on our newsfeed or on social media or the things that we watch or the people that we're around, let us take the break. Let us focus on the Word of God, Your Word, and that Word is love. If it ain't love, it ain't God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every single one of us is wonderfully made. We 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 often talk about miracles in this world, and we talk about you know the, the, the big boom things with the, the the orchestra playing. Look in the mirror. There's your miracle. What are you going to do with it? The greatest gift that we have are not the things that we hold inside, but the things that we share. What's preventing you from sharing? I pray that you share today. I pray we all do. Love God, love yourself, and love your neighbor. Amen.